What is up, you beautiful people? Welcome back to the Built on Bitcoin podcast. I'm your humble host, Jake Blockchain. And yeah, this is the podcast where we cover everything going on in Stacks. I've also been saying lately, this is the podcast for the open-minded Bitcoiner. I just, I like the way that sounds. But yeah, today we have Chan on on the podcast. Chan is the CTO of Alex, which is trying to unleash BitFi, which is DeFi on Bitcoin uh, via Stacks. And we cover a bunch. We cover uh, his background in finance, why he made the jump into crypto, Web3, all of that. Seems like kind of a left turn. Uh, as, as well as building a rockstar team to build on something like Stacks via Clarity and some of the challenges that come with being so early in a new language and, uh, you know, pushing against the limitations of a new language and building on a blockchain, plus a bunch of other stuff. So fantastic, fantastic interview. Uh, and we'll jump right in here in just a sec. But first, let me give a quick shout out to my sponsor, the Stacks Foundation. And if you listen to this episode, you're listening to what Chan is talking about, what they're building at Alex, uh, his background in coding and learning clarity, and you get excited and maybe you want to follow in some of those footsteps, maybe work for Alex, um, you know, but overall you want to take some initiative and learn clarity. A fantastic resource to get started is start.stacks.org. This was a site put together by the foundation and it gives you a nice uh, guided step format to go from an absolute beginner to maybe if you're somewhere in the middle, you can jump to step three or four and you can kind of choose your own adventure on learning clarity that ultimately ends up with you getting a job or getting a grant from the foundation to build something yourself. So if you want to make the jump from web two to web three or from solidity to clarity, or you're going from zero to hero and just want to learn the basics and uh, get started from a whole different career change, start.stacks.org is a great first resource. So check that out. All right. Now, without further ado, let me bring you this fantastic conversation with Chan on the CTO of Alex. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. Sean, how are you today, my friend? Very good, very good. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for coming on the pod. Um, you know, there's the Alex team has been shipping products like crazy. And so it's Ch Chente was on the podcast early on and amazing. I mean, every, every time I talk to someone with the Alex team, it's just a fantastic experience. I'm excited to get to know you a little bit um, as, this, as the CTO of Alex. And for people that don't know you, I mean, you're not, you're not a super public figure in Stacks. You're just, you're building in the background, making it happen. What's some of your background? So, yeah, I mean, I haven't been sort of public, um, but, uh, you know, Chent and Rachel, both of uh, co-founders of Alex, um, do that a lot. So that sort of uh, saves me uh, some, you know, give me some slack, I suppose. But myself, I joined the Alex officially March this year. So relatively recent, I suppose. So I was, uh, for myself, I was born in Korea and grew up in the UK. I studied there and after my uh, PhD in the uh, computational finance, then I joined finance 
I spent about the last 15 years or so focusing mainly on derivatives, working for firms like uh, you know, Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan and so on. And uh, yeah, and then recently I decided to join um, Alex and here I am. Okay. And um, so before we get into any crypto stuff, I'm, I'm curious, what, because you said 15 years in finance and, and derivatives, and I'm not exactly sure what derivatives are, but we, could, we can maybe pause that for now. But mm. at a broad level, what, what drew you to finance? What do you find so fascinating about finance? Generally speaking, I was comfortable with the numbers. I mean, you know, when you start a career, you don't really know what you like, but typically people tend to tell you what you're good at, and that's how you start. And then if you find it natural and fascinating, that's great. So that's sort of how it started for me. But generally speaking, I find money, in particular, the money of account and its role in human history, very interesting. Very fascinating indeed. The, the money of account refers to really this a category of money that records debit and credit on ledgers. So that actually goes back almost 30,000 years ago. Um, so the history of money essentially, in a sense, is the history of the, the modern human, right? So it affects and detects so much of our life, but uh, yet it is still very poorly understood. So why that is the case is actually quite fascinating. You make me think of a, a question because I've heard, I've heard about, I think it's called like double book accounting or, or double something accounting, and Bitcoin is triple hmm. triple ledger accounting. Is that am I getting those words right? This double book accounting, yeah, that that is a method that we use for accounting of you know companies and so on. Yes, that's a standard way of reconciling various um, you know the, the accounts. Yeah, in the company, for example. And and that's where one company has one book and one company has another book, and then as long as they match, we're happy. So in the in the general accounting, there are, for example, you have a balance sheet that records, um, you know, how much you have or you know how much liability you have. Then you have uh, profit and loss accounts, and then you have cash flow account. So you know all three need to be reconciled so that there aren't any um, uh, oddball, if you like, and all the numbers need to uh, come to the same conclusion. So. That's how generally the accounting works. So in there, then you get to see, you know, the, the credit and the debit. And um, in particular, the reason why that is, you know, interesting is if you look at the asset and liability, for example, this is all about extending something that you don't have, perhaps, and accepting something that you don't have right now, but you will have in the future. So recording of it and how that allow you to do more than, for example, exchanging, you know, the, the, the baseball cap you have with, uh, you know, the, uh, the earphone I have in a battery is, is actually quite uh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. And, and when it comes to, when it comes to tr- keeping track of money, like credits and debits, does the Bitcoin network change that calculus at all? I think Bitcoin, I, I have to admit, when the first time I heard about Bitcoin, it was many years ago. If I told you I understood its, its potential right away, then I'll be lying. Uh, again, it was many years ago, and um, I was total outsiders, and uh, there are things that I didn't quite understand. But I think you know, Bitcoin, it started as, if you, you know, when we look at the you know, white paper and so on, as the payment system. 
and it largely is still. And then I think it can do more. But what struck me really was the, the core idea behind the, the blockchain being a decentralized ledger. I thought that was uh, uh, very interesting. Now, I think one thing that is interesting then is how Bitcoin then became from the payment network itself it is and was and is already a powerful um, you know, story. And I think if you look at the Lightning Network and so on, I think we've made uh, a tremendous amount of uh, progress. But what I'm interested in is, is really what we can do more than that. So there I'm talking really about the uh, you know, decentralized apps and uh, building generalized applications on Bitcoin as that decentralized ledger. Sure, sure. And I can see, I can see if you're saying that, why you made the jump to Alex, because it seems like a good foundation for innovation there. Um, what, what drew you, because you've been in finance for so long, and this seems like a very left turn jump to go from doing derivatives to being a CTO at a builder like Alex. What was that like catalyst that made you want to jump? Um, I mean, I think I think from the, the look of it on the surface, I think uh, it does look like it. I think a lot of my friends and former colleagues also ask me, well, you know, I mean, you spend so much time in finance and generally speaking, you know, people of my background become, for example, hedge fund managers and so on. But instead, I became a, a CTO. So it is a bit sort of, uh, as you said, a left turn sort of a change in my career. But because um, I studied uh, computer science and I always had that sort of in my if you like toolkit and my interest was really sort of applying that in the finance. It sort of uh, came naturally, if you like, when if you think about what Alex wants to do. So when, um, as I said earlier, that I thought the core idea behind the, the blockchain as a distributed ledger uh, was interesting, right? But what particularly interested me was actually its uh, atomicity. Now, by atomicity, what I mean by that is the transaction succeeds either uh, in whole or it fails in its entirety. So there's nothing in between. Now, that atomicity on a decentralized network, I think, is a key differentiator of a blockchain as a ledger uh, compared to other existing ledger systems. So. And then when I saw now, and then I talked earlier that you know Bitcoin started as perhaps more of a pure a payment system, but then when I saw the development of a DeFi and decentralized applications in general on blockchain such as Ethereum and so on, I finally saw how and how fundamentally it can disrupt finance as you know it. Um, so that's when um, you know I joined Alex and uh, in a partner with our two co-founders. Yeah, that's interesting because I've heard I've heard that term atomicity, where it's like mm. pa pa pass or fail, yes or no, it's, it's binary. Mm. And so I, I could see how if I'm looking, and I, I don't know the broad like networks very well as far as like Swift and these like how the payment networks kind of trickle down. So I think I'm just swiping my card and it pulls from my bank and they get their money, but it's much more elongated than that. There's a bunch of steps happening in between. Is that one of the beautiful innovations of blockchain? Is that you can have a global ledger that could have a pass or fail, and it and it confirms or finalizes so much faster on all parties involved than the current network. I think so. I think that is real differentiator. And uh, oftentimes we talk about in the decentralized application world, trust leads. You know, and then you just mentioned about swapping card, for example, and you may want to withdraw some money or buy certain goods. 
Now, what happens in the on the back of it is loss of trust involved. Now, you need the merchant that is selling you goods needs to trust that the card that you're using it is actually working. Now, who verifies that? For example, is a payment merchant, and then ultimately Visa and Masters and so on. So, you know, you merchant will trust those intermediaries for your credit essentially. And then for you, then you trust the merchant will give you the goods that they are supposed to be um, what they are. So there are a lot of trust that are involved. Ultimately, that leads to many inefficiencies in the modern uh, finance. The centralization of uh, power uh, to uh, certain individuals and the entities in the know, and also um, you know the, the waiting time. A lot of people don't realize, for example, when you buy stock, yeah, and you know, and many people did and do. The you the, the stockbroker tell you it has been confirmed you bought or sold certain stocks yeah but actually when you actually get the delivery of the stocks typically happen two or three days later and now that is also because there are many trusts involved and there are many layers you need to go through to check same with the uh, um, international bank payment for example you know why is it everything is so slow is that. But if you have an environment where people can transact with the total strangers in a trustless environment, you can reduce all that needs for intermediation down to almost zero. And that is not something real world in the current setting can ever achieve. In fact, you know that setting has been with the human history, and I talk about the money of account going back thirty thousand years ago. That is precisely that. And I think the blockchain gives you an opportunity to really redesign whole finance without having to rely on that trust, if you like. Okay. So then after you just said that, if I say, what, what is Alex then? Like, what are you guys building? What's, how do you respond? So I will have to spend a bit of time, um, but uh, in a simplest, uh, you know, to start with, uh, at Alex, we're really talking about DeFi. Um, so by that, we mean the finance on Bitcoin. So we are building a financial services platform uh, with the Bitcoin as its settlement layer. Now, I think that is very important, but as you know, the, the building uh, such decentralized applications on the Bitcoin has been harder than um, you know, other blockchains, uh, such as Ethereum. But with the development of uh, a lot of stacks that enable building smart contracts on Bitcoin, we are now able to build a full suite of such apps while continuing to rely on the security of uh, Bitcoin. So since our launch in the uh, early this year, we have built DeFi primitives like AMM, you know, like Uniswap uh, types and the lending and borrowing. And we'll be rolling out the, uh, the central limit order book and the BTC yield products layer in the year. So here we're really talking about uh, a central li- uh, limit order book that settles on Bitcoin um, and a native Bitcoin earning yield. So we're very much you know, very excited about it. Now, some people then ask, well, why we chose uh, you know, Bitcoin and Stacks as opposed to others like Ethereum uh, to develop our offering? And I think that's... Um, I think that's a good question. And it's important to remember that, again, we're dealing with money and uh, in the financial products. And we chose to develop on Bitcoin because our view is that consumers choose financial products providers based on 
Number one, user experience, and number two, security. And certain design choices need to be made around these two points. But once such decisions are made, uh, some of them are irreversible. And the choice of your blockchain as your settlement layer is uh, one. So that's uh, sort of uh, where I am. I'm now, maybe I'll stop here, Jake, and then you know, if you have any questions, then I'll take. But otherwise, I can go in a bit more deeper in terms of user experience and security, what we think about it. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I think I'll defer some of those people who are curious about those nuances to maybe my previous interview with, with Chente. Because mm. one, one thing I'm really interested in, and this, and this struck me personally, where a lot of DeFi applications are focused on the tech and not on the UI. And I don't have a finance background. I don't do derivatives trading. I don't know any of that stuff. And so I need to be handheld very, very slowly to understand mm. and feel secure giving up my money. And mm. as, as soon as I used your guys' platform, the, the logical flow from swapping to then staking to then farming, it just felt very coherent. And I felt like I was being walked along a, a nice onboarding flow and it was great UI and graphs and everything the entire way. I knew what I was getting into. Um, and so I love, I love it to deep dive a little bit into how you guys think about design and maybe to mm. start, um, you know, you're, you're a CTO. What does your average day look like? What is it that you do? So um, we have a pretty decentralized remote you know, team. Our engineering team in particular is all over the place. You know? um, and so we have some in the, in the US and some in Europe and some in Asia. So when you say typical um, hour or you know, working, it depends on, well, when does it start? Generally speaking, in terms of uh, if you think about uh, what, what we do, so we ship products. Right, so we are looking to deliver the you know, the best user experience that is built on Bitcoin. So that that entails and certain products that I talked about. Then generally we start with product ideas, obviously, and they can come from our own or our community. Or sometimes we do you know um, the the research our competitors, and there are many respectable competitors out there that are building some great products. So once we have those ideas, then we discuss about it and we agree to um, product and then also sort of the roadmap and how they want to plan so overall you know plan about it then that goes to the product team for the product design and that's when typically the smart contract development also starts so for myself, um, I work very closely with our co-founders, Chent and Rachel, to deliver on those and also focus on the building the team itself. Now, as a software engineer, I am primarily responsible for the smart contracts. So, you know, that's when I tend to be heavily involved. Now, once the product design and the smart contracts are done, then they move to the front-end and back-end engineering team who build their parts, and then following the integration of all the parts, then they go to the quality assurance and the user acceptance testing before it is released to production. So that is done. We keep something called the book of work that sort of processes all the stages of the development. And it is my job to ensure that everyone is aware of what we are doing, how we are doing, and how we are going to manage what is coming. So it's very dynamic. 
But we do have a certain, some systematic approach uh, to deal with a lot of these. So um, yeah, once you get used to this, it, uh, fairly, uh, it's actually very enjoyable. Yeah. Okay. And how much time would you say do you spend coding versus managing? No, I, I think I spend, I mean, we, we are ultimately a small team, you know, um, so um, we, um, and, and it may change, you know, in the future, but we currently have around, what, 15 person engineering team. It's relatively small. So I spent, uh, I think, almost 90%, you know, coding and you know, talking about products and developings and so on. Generally speaking, yeah, I mean, uh, we, we don't spend much time on managing, but not because we don't like managing. I think the managing the team rightly, um, you know, is very, very important part, whether you have a small team or large team. But again, I think it's important to be efficient and have a system in place that reduces uh, a lot of burden, you know, out of what you have to do manually. Yeah, so man, I like coding, so yeah. Okay. Hmm. Because I'm just, again, I'm like, when I look at the landscape of Stacks, I've been here for a while, so I, I could see they're doing this much, you guys are shipping this much, and you guys seem to be executing on a higher tier. Not, not to disregard other teams, everyone works hard, but... You guys seem to have clones. Like there's just something about you guys ship fast and everything looks polished. Is the process the dominant thing there or is it attracting the right talent or some, some combination? Like, is there some advice that you should give, I guess is my question, to teams trying to up their bar in some sense and deliver at a higher level? That's a difficult one to answer, really, because I think everyone has different situations, and we certainly you know, have our own unique set of styles and approaches. So what I'm saying is what, uh, you know, what is working for us may not work for um, you know, others. Mm. From our perspective, I think fundamentally we have uh, good people and uh, in a good environment. Um, I'm not necessarily sort of... Um, um, I think in a team player, if you like, you know, I mean, okay, this can be a bit controversial, but I don't necessarily believe in people saying we work together. What do you mean by that? You know, because that often leads to a moral hazard in that, mm -hmm. well, you know, uh, the other person can do the job, then I can just take an easier time, if you like, you know, and that also makes, uh, if you like, the roles and responsibility very unclear. So I don't particularly like that word. But however, I do believe in teamwork. I think you can achieve a lot by working as a team and then having a clear, clearly defined roles and responsibilities. And I think that that um, ownership, if you like, to, to each individual team member empowers people and result in creating a good working environment. Now, this sounds, may, may sound a bit like cliche, and it's also actually sort of uh, harder to describe. But if you look at uh, how we hire people, we don't actually hire people easily. We are very cautious, partly because we are a small startup and uh, you know, run a relatively tight ship. But we want to, first of all, ensure that everyone likes uh, the candidate in terms of the, sort of the working style and, uh, for example, the coding standard so that certain standards are met, if you like. You know? So I think that is very important. Um, now, it may change when the team grows, but uh, you know, when you have a team like you know, us, I think that is very important. And also the candidate feels an obvious and measurable gap that we have. So there aren't any conflicts. And now... 
Some teams, some firms I saw like to encourage internal competition. And I think you know, that may be a good way of getting things, but I don't think we're at a stage where it, if we, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, personally, that's not something that I think that's a, uh, it's not something that I, I would want to go down. From my perspective, I think it's important that everyone, again, understand what they do and uh, you know, deliver on uh, their area of expertise. You know, so once you have that, and uh, when we onboard a candidate, then we also ensure that we the expectation between us and the new hire is uh, right. And by that, what I mean is, a lot of relationship can start great, but we also recognize the interviews themselves don't cover everything, right? So it may not work out. And I think it's very important for any new relationship to recognize that and uh, you know um, if things don't work then it may need to be cut short so i think being transparent about it making sure the other person and we also understand is important but once you have that and when we have the the right candidate and the right team member we are committed we are personal and we respect individuals as they are now i think that brings the best out of the team and resulting in everyone putting in you know the best they can and uh, that i think is probably the biggest reason why we have been successful at what we've been doing okay i mean that makes sense you you're very stringent so you just hire the best if it's not the right fit i mean there's someone else that could be and uh yeah making it clear so so then and we're coming up on time, and I want to be respectful of it. So I'll, I'll, it's got a couple more questions. You have this 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 top tier engineering team. Everyone's fired on all cylinders. They know what their task is. What's the biggest challenge that you guys have been facing trying to build on stacks and and like unleash Bitfi? What's the biggest technical hurdles you guys are facing? I think the technical hurdle um, is, I mean, clarity itself is a relatively new language. So it, it does come with its own handicap. And I've been writing in Clarity for the last year or so. And um, um, as a software engineer, the beauty of the language itself and the security provides is not something I've seen elsewhere. And so that that's that. Now, the Bitcoin, the choice of Bitcoin, because you know, unlike other blockchains, if you like, it has a slower finality and the confirmation time does restrict uh, certain aspects of uh, user experience, which uh, we need to focus on. So, for example, there's a lot of L2s and, uh, you know, and so on being developed. But if you look at the, the focus of those additional layers on top of Ethereum, they mainly focus on the transaction costs, reducing the transaction costs rather than you know, reducing the confirmation time. Right? Whereas in our case, and the reason and the, the way we are building our order book, for example, is primarily targeting to reduce the confirmation time that users experience while continuing to rely on the Bitcoin. So I think in a different chains probably have a different technical challenges and its own pros and cons. But I think all of them are generally surmountable, I would say. I think the bigger, bigger challenges, I suppose, has uh, really been on the because uh, the, the stacks is um, relatively upstart and it is relatively unknown in the DeFi yet, although I think it, we have made a very rapid the progress in the recognition and the DeFi on Bitcoin in general 
is still in the early stage. So from the recognition and as a result, if you like the investment, amount of investment that goes into the BFI has somewhat lagging versus that of, for example, in the Ethereum world and so on, which I think is going to change. And I think this, uh, if you like, crypto winter actually provided a very good setting, if you like, uh, for that change to happen. So, you know, we have definitely seen a, number, a lot more interest in building on stacks and also in you know, Bitcoin, DeFi in general. So I think that is going to change. So, yeah, I mean, I think, again, it's, you start with sort of early stage uh, product and then you are one of the early adopters. And then, therefore, you go through that growing pain together, you know. Yeah. Yep. And I think it has double-edged sword. Um, and one hand, it's great that you can be part of something that is developing rapidly. And all the problems, for example, we work uh, very closely with the boss hero, the main developer of the Stacks and also Stacks Foundation in terms of, you know, what uh, roadmap we have to set, uh, we want to set for the you know, product development and for Stacks and so on. So we are really part of that development. Um, but also that means uh, on the other side, you have to go through it, right? So, yeah. so a bit of waiting game, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, to as as a builder, however, I think that is much better than, uh, for example, building on what is already there. You know, it's not as exciting. And uh, to our investors as well, I think that does give a much better asymmetric bet, you know, than anything else out there, which I think makes our project unique as well. Yeah, it definitely feels like Stacks is at the frontier of something. So there's that, that, that very much that asymmetric risk reward. Okay, last last question. I like to end on a high note. So I'm thinking, you know, Stacks starts to get its due. It's in the top ten. People are finding out about it. What what do you see? What does Alex look like three, four years out? Stacks is in that position, and you guys have just been crushing execution. What what, what does Alex look like in that phase? Um, so the next six months, you will see us launching, I mean, I mentioned briefly um, as well, the central limit order book addressing the transaction confirmation time issue. And also we will have Bitcoin yield products suitable for both institutional and the retail investors alike. So from there, we will continue building the best user experience on the more secure blockchain on earth. Yeah. Now, I think, I think that is important and the DeFi in general, because, and I you know, sort of briefly talked about it, I do think DeFi itself is a game changer for finance because it is one technology that can remove trust from the finance. And, if you, and then by that, we're really talking about the, the possibility of transacting finance or transacting without having to rely on credit. And then credit tends to be the main, if you like, the driver, not only for the growth, but also for the booms and busts. So it comes with a lot of inefficiencies. So from that perspective, I think building finance on the settlement layer like Bitcoin can really be an extremely compelling competitive offering versus traditional finance and the CFI for that matter. Now, in three years, and then in you know, a crypto world, three years is a long time, but we do think it is our view that regulation will start applying across CFI, DeFi, and then TradeFi. And that there will, from the user experience and the, from user perspective, there will be only a five. So 
what do you want to be in the three years, continuing to build, uh, again, the best user experience on the, the most secure chain on Earth? We want to be among the biggest and the best. And that brings the, the real change to the real world. And that's what um, you know, I and uh, you know, we all at Alex would like to see. Beautifully said. I think that's a perfect way to end it, John. Um, any closing thoughts before we shut this down that we didn't get to? Um, no, no, I think I think we're good. We're good, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, do you want to drop any contact info or where can people find you or go to Alex? Yeah, I mean, uh, you can uh, reach out to us. We have a very active community um, that uh, takes feedbacks and then talk about all sorts of things uh, about DeFi. So you're more than welcome to join. All those links are available on our website. Um, so um, through the, the developer website of alexgrow.io, or our foundation website at alexlab.com. So um, you can start from there. Perfect, perfect. And I will drop those in the description to make it super easy for you guys. One click away. But uh, this has been fantastic, John. Thank you for taking the time and coming on the show today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. I know that things don't always go your way, but I'll be right here waiting. I've been waiting out, I've been trying to figure out a way to make it out. Make it out, cause I don't think about everything going wrong in my house.